the variety is what really drives tons of different solution offerings and opportunities in retail. Every day we try to do something new. But for me, skateboarding is a more complex stuff. Welcome to People Tech and Other Weirdness, the not so serious soft serve podcast. Here we collect stories from our people about their roles and rules, game changing decisions, wins, walls, and falls. You'll hear about technologies from those who create them. Let's see who we have on today. All right. Hello, guys. Welcome to our podcast. For today, we have Valentin Kropov and Vitaly Duka joining us. So we appreciate you both spending some time with us today. So for our listeners, I will be the host for this episode. I'm Andrew Dunifer. I'm one of the client partners at SoftServe based in Austin, Texas. I oversee the client relations and advisement across various of our technology services and you know, aim to expand our business within the portfolio of our existing accounts. I'm sort of the bridge uh, between technical COEs and our delivery project teams and the client's business. Um, so as I mentioned today, we have Valentin and Vitaly with us. Um, so guys, why don't you give a quick intro? Sure. Hi, Andrew. My name is Valentin Kropov. I'm a, a client success leader for SoftServe Retail Vertical and uh, kind of responsible for the retail projects we are doing in SoftServe for our retail customers. I'm Vitaly Dutka. I'm based in Lviv, Ukraine, and I'm project manager. Generally, I have part kind of portfolio of delivery projects and help to onboard new clients to retail domain of SoftServe. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us all today. Um, so again, this podcast is People, Tech, and Other Weirdness. So what we want to do is spend some time, get some flavor for some of the quirks and personalities, while also discussing technology that's you know, really relevant to the state of our clients' business and even the world right now. Um, today's topic is a solution you know, pretty important and current to the challenges the globe is facing uh, you know, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so we'll be talking a bit more about this technology that was developed by your retail unit, Valentin, you know, with the support of Vitaly and some other key folks at SoftServe. You know, and this technology is to help govern social distancing for kind of the public retail spaces primarily. Uh, I'm super excited to talk about that uh, here soon. Uh, not, only, not only does it have quite a few different types of technologies involved, but the solution is honestly something that could potentially save lives, you know, and demonstrate SoftServe's uh, commitment and contribution to solving some very important challenges in the world right now. So before we get into some of the tech stuff, um, you know, tell our listeners how long you've been at SoftServe and describe your current responsibilities. We can start with you, Valentin. I'm with SoftServe for the last six years, and uh, actually my career at SoftServe is pretty amazing. I've changed five different directions over the six years, which might sound like a lot, but uh, if you look at the amount of work we did at each of these directions, it, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, and, and, and I'm probably living and breathing an example of how efficient you can be in your career if you are in the right company with the right people around, with the right customer and project. So, uh, yeah, right now, as I mentioned, I'm managing the retail vertical for the software, but have a huge background and expertise in big data, uh, data science, data process, analytics, uh, stuff like that. That's probably it from my side. I'm officially with SoftServe for one year and a half, but I was like 
two years ago doing three months of R&D for software as contract. And I started in data networking field in some data center networking in high performance computing. And now I do a lot of tech, technical project management, supporting SDLC for clients, supporting delivery of the project and helping to understand what is right tech that SoftServe could consult to client and provide best quality. Cool. And how did you guys actually start in IT technology even prior to SoftServe? I mean, did you always want to be in tech or, you know, when you, when you were a little kid, what, what were your big dreams? Was it always technology or, you know, for myself, I think I wanted to be a, an astronaut and then I wanted to be a skateboarder at, at some point, you know, as a kid. And then, you know, as I grew older, of course, you know, I started getting more interested in technology. But, you know, what, what were your dreams growing up and how did this kind of, you know, how did you evolve into, you know, working into technology to begin with? So skateboarding is, is still for me a dream. Every time I, I, I try skateboard of my son, I fall and it's it, it, it terrible all the time. So I'm, I'm just wondering how people are doing skateboarding. So uh, many people will believe that like big data, data science is more complex. But for me, skateboarding is, is a more complex stuff. Yeah. So uh, it, talk about me like uh, in, uh, it, it started like very, very long time ago, like maybe 20 or even more years ago, I, I've seen the movie. Do you not remember this very old uh, movie with Sandra Bullock, uh, Hackers or uh, something yes. like that? Uh, no, ne Network, Network or something like that. So that was the movie which really inspired me. I've seen all of these cool kids and I'm like, yeah, I want to be like them. And that, that's how it eventually started. I convinced my parents that I need a computer and then eventually all I was doing on this computer is playing the games all the time. No programming, no hacking. Uh, and I'm like, hmm, something's wrong. But then eventually, it's, somehow it get into the right direction and I get to the program and get to the IT. But that's how it started for me, at least. What about you, Vitaly? As a kid, I wanted to build a car from very scratch and I was looking for some drawings, doing a lot of engineering and stuff like that. And at some, at some point, I discovered electrical engineering with all this LED with all these nice, nice sensors, etc. And after I just applied to computer engineering faculty and started my life with computer networks with uh, chips, CPUs, and all this stuff. So, you know, we're obviously spread across the world and, you know, now we have our busy lives, you know, working on technology projects for SoftServe, but, you know, we still try to you know, maintain our social lives and have families, of course. Um, you know, I have a teenage daughter, so I'm pretty busy with, you know, <laughs> trying to be a dad and taking her to dance classes and things like that and, and keeping busy there. But, you know, outside of, you know, our, our day jobs and focusing on technology, you know, what, what kind of hobbies do you guys like to do, you know, outside of tech today? You know, I know, Valentin, you mentioned skateboarding earlier, you know, with, with your kid. Um, you know, is that something you guys do a lot or, you know, what kind of hobbies do you like to focus on even outside of, uh, outside of work? I used to do a lot of skydiving before, but nowadays my boss has forbidden me to do that. He believes it's too dangerous. So I do sea kayaking and climbing and there is no prohibition for mountain yet. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool.
All right. Well, I do want to, you know, pivot a little bit to kind of our retail unit, Valentine. Um, you know, you being the main leader for our retail vertical, you know, globally, you know, has retail always been a focus for soft serve or, you know, really what's been the business drivers to expand in this particular industry space at soft serve? SoftServe, uh, historically for more than 25 years, been helping different IT companies, ISVs, uh, the main companies, and eventually, like, no, nobody put the retail as a cornerstone initially, right? But eventually, we realized that there are so many different customers in retail we have, and at some point, it was natural to create the vertical which is better serving these customers and uh, kind of aggregate the expertise and create the solution offering specifically for retail not just generic technical solution for the customers that's how it started how do you think that retail kind of compares to some of these other units i mean what what do you find exciting what are the good aspects about retail and what do you think is more challenging maybe even in the retail space versus you know some other vertical industries so, so retail definitely is interesting vertical to work with. Uh, first of all, it has huge variety. So if you look at the retailers, there are online retailers, offline retailers, there are all kinds of different approaches there. At the same time, there's also different type of revenue models for, of, on the customer sides. Some of them like uh, grocery, for instance, they are pretty low margin companies, if you will. And for these companies, they have certain set of challenges. But on the other hand, for instance, if you have the luxury cars or luxury uh, goods, they have totally different margins, revenues, uh, and that's totally different type of problems they have. So the variety is what really drives tons of different solution offerings and opportunities in retail, but it also gives an implication of you know, supporting so many different type of companies, type of retailers, and trying to find the silver bullet or solution which will serve many of them or most of them is probably the, the challenge which excites us and really was the, the question for us for the last several years. So, you know, currently the world is, you know, going through some crazy times, of course, right? Um, you know, due to COVID and, you know, the, the, the pandemic is pretty much, you know, it's, really impacted the retail industry more specifically, you know, and of course, you know, every industry is being impacted, but when you have retail brick and mortar uh, locations that have, you know, essentially been shuttered, right? I mean, these stores have had to close, nobody's out uh, doing any shopping, right? Um, you know, how has this impacted, you know, the IT roadmaps, even short to medium term, and, and how have priorities really shifted, you know, within the retail unit? Right, so that's a great question. So what we see among our customers' prospect and, and on the market in general, it's, it's pretty much the same trend. Though, uh, for, for, as you mentioned, for many retailers, a majority of their stores, like offline stores, were closed for a significant amount of time. And for, for them, there are two, two biggest problems right now. First is the immediate impact that they have right now from closed stores, less revenue, it's obvious. But also there is a second pretty big challenge right now, which is, pretty different from all previous crises. And this problem is called uncertainty, right? With the financial crisis, like 2008 uh, and uh, uh, .NET bubble, everybody knew that this is the financial crisis, but they are pretty well researched. Everybody knows that uh, after the crisis, there is uh, uh, 
like, I don't know, period of recoveries and recession might start, but that's pretty well known stuff. The uncertainty there is smaller. But with the current situation, with the COVID, the uncertainty is really huge and the biggest probably in, in, in the modern history. And that's what, what drives the retailers in, in their current projects. So on one hand, they try to save as much as possible to really support only cost saving or, or really critical revenue generating projects. But on the other hand, they try to fight the uncertainty and they're really looking for the projects which will help them to uh, fight any possible new bad things which which might come in the, in the near future sure so i mean i guess some of the good news is at least in the u.s and i say this with a bit of extreme cautious optimism you know is we are beginning to open up some of the country in different states and different areas right here in the u.s and you know even around the world for that matter you know retail stores being one of them here even locally in texas um where we're just a few weeks ago starting to open up some of uh, the brick and mortar locations. Uh, but of course, you know, coronavirus is still out there. Um, you know, it hasn't been eradicated. We still see the numbers going up, especially here in the United States. You know, it's, it's still pretty scary, right? Uh, so I know SoftServe and, um, you know, our, our teams have been working on a social distancing solution um, to help our customers manage through some of the reopening of these retail businesses and essentially a solution to keep customers safe, right? So Vitaly, I know you've been pretty instrumental in working on this solution. Maybe you can give us a, you know, kind of the high level, you know, what's the main problem we're trying to address as part of the social distancing solution and maybe some of the high level design as well. Yeah, so as you already mentioned, the main purpose is to keep personnel and customers safe because these days it's really insecure to be in big crowds to meet with others and the only tools that you have to secure yourself is social distancing and we decided to apply technology to be sure that people keep this best recommendation of false organization that they are safer even in the store after the lockdown so we decided to various technology of computer vision and other tech that we have developed inside of saucer to be sure that we could know how many people are inside the store of the store that the temperature levels are good on the entrance and that social distance is kept okay so i mean essentially you're looking at you know the you know basically the I guess the capacity of people, you know, within these store locations checking, um, you know, their temperature to ensure they don't have a fever or ill within the store. And um, there's some components involved, of course, where we're kind of measuring maybe the distance, you know, between uh, individuals within the retail location. So can, can you go a little deeper into maybe some of the specific uh, components or technologies being used to, to do this? Yeah, so for our MVP, we decided to reuse as much infrastructure as possible, and we started with CCTV, and we luckily found one partner that was ready to provide their, their footage for tests. So a lot of cameras and storage support RTSP protocol, so we use these RTSP streams and after process them with our custom trained deep learning models. So it was performed by our data science team. 
After that, we package all this met metadata about the people crossing the line, their distance, time when they approach the store, time when they perform it, exit, all the temperature events to our data pipeline, which we built on top of Pandas, and we also consider some other options from the clouds. And after we have some AWS cloud with S3, with Redshift, with Lambda functions, and React frontends to show these nice footages. And to interact with clients, we have developed mobile application that provide ability to perform preservation, to see notification of the over, on overcrowded areas, on some time slots, and digital signage solution to notify you on the allowed not allowed entrance to the store and provide some insights on how to how to stay safe within the store. Very cool. So I mean, this is obviously representative of you know SoftServe's ability to you know to adapt uh, to recent world events. Um, but you know, we're talking, you know, we're six weeks into kind of uh, I guess some of the the beginnings of the, the pandemic event, right? I mean, how did, how did SoftServe pull this together so quickly? Have we, have we been using these technologies on other projects? You know, were you working closely with our R&D team? Or, you know, what was the genesis of, you know, pulling this together so quickly? I mean, how do we, how do we start and how do we get ready to implement? Um, yeah, so usually at SoftServe we have like really widespread of technologies used on other projects and we try to keep this knowledge within our center of excellences. So for this project particularly, we use it really big help of our data science team from the intelligent enterprise. And also we used our help of our robotics team, which was using a lot of thermal, thermal sensors in their past projects. In example, they was making one project for fire detection. And we really kind of decided what is the best use case and which, which use case will provide the most value for our clients and make this POC shared materials and really gain it feedback, feedback from our clients really soon on that is, this is useful and how we could extend this stuff. So Valentin, I mean, you know, I know, you know, even in my role and your role, you know, when we're working with our our customers on these different types of solutions, costs, return, you know, these are always important to our customers. So, you know, what are, what are some of the most successful approaches you think should be taken to begin, you know, an engagement, you know, to really get this type of project off the ground? I mean, do you, do you think that clients should always jump into the full solution or, you know, how are the different ways, you know, ways that you would take maybe some phased approaches, you know, for such an implementation you know, how, how do you approach really kind of, you know, the, the project life cycle with this project or, you know, this solution or really any, any project in general, right? I mean, you'll have clients who have kind of budget set aside for, you know, maybe going all in, but, you know, what are your thinkings on how to maybe kind of approach this specific solution and getting it off the ground or at least getting, you know, some, uh, maybe even a MVP or POC off the ground with, with our clients? Right, that's a great question. And if you let me get a little bit into the history. So if, if you ask me like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, how, how people are used to budget the projects and implement them, right? So the big companies, they had the budgets, let's say for one, two or three, or even five years sometimes, right? And they said, okay, what we can do within this budget within the next five years? And they used to create the huge, enormous project plans and then spend several years uh, to then 
suddenly realize that the, the challenge disappeared or changed, you know what I mean, or the implementation won't, won't wait. So, and people discovered, okay, why don't we work in the agile mode? And this all the new modern movement started when we do not plan five years in ahead, we just plan uh, to the certain horizon, when we see the value, we implement early value, we progress, we build features on top of it, and it worked pretty well so far, right? And the reason why people are switching to the uh, to the new model is because, because again, because of the uncertainty. If you if you're absolutely certain what what the project is, what the value needs to be done, what the outcome is expected, then you can go ahead and implement it, right? But in many cases. It's not the case in reality, in the real life, right? Because uh, the like situation with COVID, for instance, it doesn't exist like few few months ago even, right? How can you possibly account it in one of the project plan for one year before, right? And and that's why the best approach for this specific problem and for a problem similar to that is to really start from something smaller and gradually, uh, eventually increase the value. So the way how we love to work is we start with the discovery or workshop first to quickly in, in several hours or several days understand what's the problem, what we're trying to achieve, what's the criteria of success, how can we get the early value and early proof that it works, not by spending tons of time and money, by, but by spending like very little time and little budget. After that, we love to implement some very simple design just to demonstrate how it might look and feel because that's very important. And only then we implement it on a smaller scale, for instance, for one store, for several stores, and only and only after we all together with customer sure that that's exactly the solution we want to have, we go ahead and scale it to the, to the rest of the stores. I'd like to also touch a little bit on you know, beyond just this particular solution, you know, really, you know, as a leader globally, you know, talking about overseeing customers from a global perspective, you know, what some of the differences may be, you know, how do you compare clients or project relations in Europe versus North America, or even just the US? You know, I'm sure you're dealing with different, you know, cultures and personalities. Um, You know, how how has that been for you? And, And do you have to kind of navigate through, discussions differently or do they evaluate you know their approaches on projects differently you know what, what are the differences between kind of the, the the two main you know areas that we're supporting today right so many people in 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 this question are placing the culture difference on the first place i personally do not put the culture difference in the first place because it's, it's certainly important things to remember because for instance in germany people are more transparent and open if they don't like something, they just let you know immediately, right? In US, uh, you, you really need to spend some time to discover it uh, in some of the cases. But that's, uh, that's not the most important thing because for me, culture of achieving results, of getting things done is the same across the countries. You can barely name a country in Europe or North America which, which has a culture of not achieving stuff, right? Not getting things done. So that, that's the same culture across the countries, across the companies. Uh, so that, that's why the difference which could really impact, uh, let's say, implementation projects is regulations. Because in Europe, we have one uh, set of laws and regulations. In, in US, it's different. And even inside US, you have California, which was historically like more like stricter in, in, in their rules comparing to the 
some of the other states. Sure. Uh, but but that's um, in in reality again the the common sense of implementing stuff of on bringing early value on getting things done is most important things and it's it's the same across the company and the uh, solution wise uh, retailers have certain components in them it's marketing it's inventory management it's in store operations and the challenges there are pretty much the same they are a little bit different due to the different business model different uh, let's say uh, regulations but the the let's say classes if you will of problems is the same and uh, I mentioned the diversity between them it certainly exists but you can play with it and you can combine them into the some kind of uh, universal solution like COVID or social distance solution we created yeah and what about internally you know how, how do you how do different internal stakeholders you work with from, you know, partner managers, sales teams, client partners like myself? I mean, how do we differ even internally, you know, um, from regions? I mean, obviously, you know, you're a native of Ukraine, right? Now you're living in Austin, Texas. So you're kind of experiencing, you know, the difference between these different regions and, and, and how we approach business. Have, have you found any, you know, big disparities on how we, how we engage with each other, even internally? Uh, yes and no. So again, the, uh, again, the culture differences certainly exist, right? The, the way how we uh, escalate things, the, the way how we react on uh, bad and good things, it, it certainly exists. But I would say that even inside one group of people, let's say in Texas, you can find a person who is highly logical, you can find a person who is highly emotional, right? And the same happens uh, like within the same group, actually, of people inside like uh, SoftServe for Texas or SoftServe globally. So I would, I would say that this is pretty much bigger difference for me than cultural difference between countries or regions, uh, if you will. And what about responsibility? You know, obviously we have you know, various center of excellence teams involved in our projects. We have delivery directors overseeing, you know, the actual delivery of projects, unit VPs or CSLs like yourself, you know, supporting um, either verticals or geographic regions, client partners managing portfolios of business. And then of course we have our sales leadership as well. At the end of the day, who would you say is ultimately responsible for the success of our client projects? Oh, that's a great question. And if you ask my boss, uh, he will say that I'm responsible. <laughs> if you ask me, I'll tell that all of my leadership people, like Vitaly, is responsible. And if you ask Vitaly, he will probably say something about his team. So in, in, in a nutshell, uh, the, the way how organization is built and the way how SoftSurf is built is that the, certainly there is a, a formal race metrics of who is responsible for that and what. But at the same time, in, in my opinion, the way how we build our teams and the way how we develop our people is that every single person who is, who is the part of the project is responsible. If you are the coder and you developer who is making mistake in the code which causes uh, problems for the customers and financial issues uh, or some risk to the lives if you will in some of the cases that that's exactly the responsibility we want to make sure everybody is aware of and um, this, this being said you can build history of good relations with the customer you can spend 10 years uh, trying to be the best partner for them and then suddenly some somebody like uh, I don't know Java developer or any other language developer in your project make a very tiny mistake because they 
were not taking it seriously and boom, suddenly all your relations are destroyed. So that's why for me, it's very important for the whole vertical, for everyone, client facing, non-client facing, to be aware about this stuff. And in, in a pretty positive way, because it's, it's not about, I don't know, being the policeman who is uh, standing behind the desk and trying to, you know, spot mistakes <laughs> by people uh, uh, in their daily work. It's, it's not. It's, it's really about uh, the attitude, about the motivation of people to, uh, to bring the success and value. And that's right. exactly the type of people I personally prefer to work with. People who love to bring the value, not just see it doing uh, some you know, process-oriented type of work. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's something that, you know, I, I've never really approached things looking at a hierarchy, you know, level of responsibilities. I do think that, you know, if, if we're all intrinsically appreciative of what we're doing, bringing value to the organization and acting as one team, we are all ultimately responsible for the success. So totally agree with you there. Let's talk a little bit about partners. Um, you know, SoftServe, we are strategic partners for a vast amount of cloud companies and other platforms out there. You know, when we're, we already have so many different types of functional support internally. And, and when we start to involve partners as well, they may have their own ideas of design or project success. And, and, and how do you navigate differences in the architectural design and, and even what success criteria may look like for our partners? You know, I'm sure there's some, you know, maybe some vendor influences, right? And the directions that they want to take a particular project, you know, soft serve, um, historically, we take a very agnostic approach to delivery. We want to make sure that we're designing the best solution for our clients. How, how can we do this when a partner and their technology is, is involved? You know, is the partner platform always best for our clients? So uh, that's a great question. And uh, there are two types of situation. First is when our prospect or customer comes to us and says, okay, guys, I want to build, for instance, ERP system. What should I do, right? In this case, SoftServe has to be agnostic and pick up from one of our vendors, our cloud partners, what's the best for this specific customer. And, and there are a certain amount of things which needs to be accounted for. For instance, th does this customer already have some vendor log or some existing relations? Does they have already some licenses for some software? What is the scope? What is the use case for what they're trying to implement? There are tons of different things which impacts it. On the other hand, the other type of a situation is when, when our cloud partner like Google, AWS, or Azure, or any other of our numerous partners comes to us and say, listen, we have our customers, for instance, Google Cloud customer who already committed to the Google Cloud, right? And they need our help to, uh, to really speed up uh, implementation of this project or help them with the expertise which we have and the customer doesn't necessarily have. That's a different story because in this case, decision already made, made from the customer side. They already want to work with Google or AWS or Azure. And in this case, we do not compete or we do not bring any other cloud providers of this because decision is already made. We just go ahead and we implement this technology based on our best knowledge and best expertise we have. Let's go to our final comments then here on SoftServe. Um, so Vitaly, Valentin, what do you think are the most challenging aspects generally about working at SoftServe? 
So for me, it's kind of every day we try to do something new and be on the edge of new technologies that never ever have tried before with a lot of our clients. And along with this, we want to be best technology consultant partner for our clients that provide crazy ideas to provide the most value. And this constant challenge to get the best in this, on this level of uncertainty is kind of really passionate for me and it's really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> Agree, yeah. So for me, every, like I wake up every day and I, and I see so many opportunities like uh, existing or non-existing, which just, just shaping up. And I, I really try to understand, okay, I have next eight, 10, 12, 16 hours of my work day. So where do I put my efforts in? And, and, and you know what, in many days like this, uh, I, I have to make decision between them. And, and the cool stuff, like the challenge for me is to understand what's the most important right now. And I will tell you right now, there were zero days when I wake up and there is nothing interesting to do, nothing interesting to jump on. So that's kind of, kind of a good challenge, you know, that's a good choice to make, okay. Yes. Should I concentrate on the computer vision uh, technology here or should I concentrate on the um, machine learning algorithm for demand prediction? So it, it's tons of challenge, but a good challenge, very good challenge. Yeah, definitely say I can relate to that. I mean, it's really, for me personally, it's the, the vast amount of technology we can support. You know, I'm, I'm constantly learning, you know, all of these different practice areas and different technologies and, and tech in general is just constantly evolving so quickly, right? And even at SoftServe, you know, it can be even in, intimidating at times because of our, you know, some of our COE experts, we have guys with, you know, crazy PhDs, super smart guys, right? Um, and, and I know they're listening in to some of my client conversations, probably laughing at some of the ideas that are coming out of my mouth as I'm kind of, you know, trying to advise and come up with ideas and, you know, take our clients through maybe a journey of what I could envision some solution looking like, right? So, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to know it all, especially in this position, even to, you know, uh, even to a higher, you know, higher level, it can be tough and challenging at times, but it's also exciting, right? And what about technology? And this is my final question. What do you find most exciting for the future? For me, it's really about how we could make life better and how we could improve experience of the customers, of the simple pedestrian, etc. And in example, in recent days, we have technologies that could transform the movement of the customers within the store and provide new insights on their decision, on the develop points, and etc. And also, it's not about like this top-notch technologies, but I also love that we could do something from the very scratch, from the idea to some hardware device that will be mounted somewhere with lack of support and lack of power. And we could build this from the very scratch, and this will be working 24/7 with high SLA. So, I believe that. Why for the future is something that move lives and have really high level of reliability. And for me, it's really uh, like automation and robotics because like I, I'll get back to, to the conversation where we started it, like with the Sandra Bullock in this movie when she was doing the magic on her keyboard, just pressing a couple of buttons and something happened somewhere like uh, 100 miles away. So that's exactly the magic which robotics start bringing to our life and automation as well, with self-driving cars, with self-navigating drones. Uh, so I, I'm a big enthusiast of this direction and I really think this is what will change 
our lives dramatically. And uh, many people look at it from the pessimistic perspective, like, what, okay, what are we going to do next if our jobs will be automated? I, I look at it from the optimistic perspective because uh, you never know until you try. And that's what happened when people replaced uh, horses with cars in, in, in the cities. Everybody was so uh, anxious about, okay, what will happen? And nothing bad happened. Only good things happened since that time. So that's probably the technology I, I put my stakes on, Andrew. Yeah, and for me, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to pick one technology. Um, you know, from my perspective, tech is an enablement tool for the human. You know, whether that's through AI, ML, big data work, platforms development, you know, this is all done to enable humans to become more productive or make more informed and faster decisions, right? You know, I think the, the better we can enable humans combined with their passions to improve the world is how we change the world. All right, guys. Well, you know, I know we're out of time today. So thank you again for spending the time. And, um, you know, I hope our listeners enjoy getting a peek into SoftServe and our retail space and, you know, how we are indeed working on solutions to improve the world. So until next time, this was SoftServe's People, Tech, and Other Weirdness. Thank you guys very much. Thank <laughs> you.